0: Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, we are in the Old Testament. We'll be in Exodus chapter 13. Tonight we have worked through the Scripture a chapter at a time. We actually started with the New Testament. We did a five-year run on that. And uh, we got through every chapter in the book of the New Testament. And then about a year and a half ago, we started in the Old Testament. We're working our way through. How long does it take to work through the entire Bible a week at a time? Twenty years. So we're seven years in, so we got a ways to go, but but we're doing it, and I expect all of you to be here till the end. So, 13 more years of Wednesday nights. Um, So we'll keep plugging along, and then we'll just start all over again. Yeah, well, if Jesus comes, that'll be good. That's a good reason to stop. (laughs) And then when He comes, I think we know it all anyway, so it works out pretty well. So... um, Exodus. Um, you know, the Exodus is a, is a fascinating book. You, you remember, you know, through Genesis we saw uh, how at the end um, the uh, children of Israel, the small group that they were, um, went into um, Egypt because of the famine and Joseph made a, a safe place for them. And the Exodus now is about getting them out of Egypt. They've been in Egypt 432 years um, and, and the majority, at least the big back end of that time, was in slavery and bondage. The, uh, the Pharaoh was not, did not treat them well. Um, they were slave labor and um, the time had come for them to go. Um, Pharaoh wouldn't let him go. God told him, let him go. He refused to listen. We've been through that series of 10 plagues now um, with the final one being the death of the firstborn which struck Egypt but not Israel because Israel, if you remember, took a lamb and they, uh, they killed the lamb. and they, they, uh, The sacrificed lamb, they took the blood and put it on the doorposts. And the angel of death passed over. Uh, and all the firstborn of Israel were saved, both um, people and animals. But and the firstborn of Egypt, uh, males and animals, were, they died. And so um, Pharaoh has... Uh, said at this point, he's commanded them to go. Finally, he says, get out. Go now. Don't wait. Don't mess around. Just get out. And um, that's that's where we're at at the moment. The people are getting ready to get out. They've gathered all of the jewelry and everything from uh, from their neighbors who willingly gave it to them to go for this time of worship. And uh, they're going and they're not coming back. And that's payment for hundreds of years of slavery. They're going to go out wealthy um, in stuff and they're gonna go out as a nation of two million people. They came in as a family of 70. They're going out as a nation of two million. And uh, along with them there's some um, non-Jewish people going with them. They've been mentioned already. And um, that's either Egyptians who have figured out that God is indeed God. And they want to get in on the deal and go with them or along the way other people that have come and decided to hang out with them. But there's a significant number of them as well. Um, Good that they're there. They will cause some issues, as we'll see here in a little while. But for now, the people are getting ready to go. And um, in, as we sort of head into chapter 13, the, they're going to touch on the importance again of the firstborn in the nation of Israel. So not only not only once a year at Passover, which we've already talked about, where the Jewish people get reminded of God's grace and power, but each time a firstborn male... Um, man or animal, comes into the world, the firstborn had to be redeemed. So um, we're going we're gonna to read about what that looks like. And, and so it's a constant a reminder to the people of Israel about the work of God in their lives and what's happening. All the firstborn, in effect, belong to God. And and, um, and so we're going to watch that work its way through the Scripture and what happens. Um, this, this ordinance of redemption that's coming up will take a place when the when the Jewish people enter the promised land and um, uh, later on Moses will explain the process um, and um, he touches on it here um, the uh, most um, of the firstborn males and uh, animals are going to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a lamb uh, um, but then they're going to in particular mention that of a, the firstborn of a donkey Um, It will also be covered by a lamb because the donkey is an unclean animal. Um, But if it's not redeemed, then that's going to be a problem as well. Um, Parents will bring their firstborn sons to the Lord, and they'll offer the appropriate sacrifice at the time it was a lamb. Over time, because not everyone can afford a lamb, um, there's a a, uh, provision for the poor people to bring a sacrifice. And in fact, when Mary and Joseph redeem the Redeemer, when they bring baby Jesus to the temple, they they bring the um, sacrifice of a poor person in the process in, in that whole thing, not a lamb. So um, every time this would happen, a firstborn would be redeemed. It was an opportunity for the parents once again to teach the children about how God had rescued them um, and what took place there, the Passover in Goshen and what had gone on. And so this would be a reminder of the story uh, it's also going to, it has an impact on h- how we're redeemed ultimately by the blood of the Lamb Jesus and how that takes place. So all of these things are happening. Um, also um, note that um, Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper after he led his disciples um, there at, uh, at the, the final meal that they would take which was a Passover celebration. And, and so um, he, he, in effect, institutes communion at that time as we know it, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And every time that we partake of communion, we're remembering what's taken place that, that not only has um, can we look back and, and know that Jesus has died for us um, and defeated death and rose again, but we also remember that He's coming back for us soon. And when Jesus returns, um, there will be another amazing exodus because we're going to be with Him forever and uh, taken out of all the, all the mess. And so, um, you know, all the dead in Christ will be raised, the living believers caught up with them, and, and uh, taken to heaven to be with the Lord. That's what it says in First Thessalonians four, thirteen through 18. So that's going to be quite an exodus. Um, either way, even if you've, it's going to be really cool. Sorry, that's my microphone, but it's not as bad as it was. Uh, I know, i change, I can change mics too, but I'm not going to do it unless it starts going tap, 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 tap. All right, so, with that said, let me read Exodus 13 to you. Uh, 22 verses, I'm reading out of the NIV, that's what's in the notes. And uh, whatever translation you have is good. Let me pick it up in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. Then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today in the month of Abib you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your forefathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with His mighty hand you must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your forefathers you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey but if you do not redeem it break its neck redeem every firstborn among your sons in the days to come when your son asks you what does this mean say to him with a mighty hand The Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. That the Lord brought us out of Egypt with His mighty hand. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, Though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so just some highlights through uh, chapter 13. Um, Verse 2, to dedicate something means to sacrifice Or to consider something as belonging to God. And and, um, this practice that that, uh, we read about was to remind the people of their deliverance through God. That that God had made a way for them, um, that He was with them, that He was for them, that it was all about God. And that each time they would go through this redemption process, along with every time they celebrated Passover, it was a reminder of how God had moved on their behalf and how the exodus took place. Again, so important because of the ultimate exodus that's happening when Jesus um, comes and leads us uh, out as well. So um, we see that taking place. And then um, verses 6 through 9 talks about the festival of unleavened bread. And we had touched on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, and, and this was going to make them different. Uh, from, you know, other celebrations. And it, it even said, you know, it, this whole thing will be like it. They were branded on their hands and foreheads. And, and so this um, celebrating with, with um, bread that, that uh, had no yeast. Uh, again, it's a picture of Christ, right? Perfect. Um, Jesus even said, I'm the bread of life. Um, you know, uh, he, he was making that connection. This was another remembrance of the ultimate exodus. And, um, you know, and so this was sort of a, this, this practice of this feast was, uh, was something that they did in remembering God. It, it sort of set them apart as followers of God. And, um, you know, the way that we, ha- you know, what are those things that we do that set us apart as followers of God now as we follow Christ? You know, really the, the, the way that we're called to love one another, um, how we're to raise our children, our concern for the poor, um, that, that uh, we're, we're to live lives of, of worship um, with the Lord. And, um, and so, you know, ultimately now, you know, as believers, we're, we're to be known for loving one another, which is what I talked about last weekend. And uh, same kind of picture. It's, it connects us to the Lord and uh, should show everybody that we are His. Then... Um, he also talks here, I want to talk again about buying back the firstborn son and so uh, the the night you know they, they they escaped from Egypt at night and and God spared the firstborn son of every house marked with blood on the door frame and because God had saved the lives of the firstborn, he had a rightful claim to them, um, and so what God put in motion was this idea put in place was that he sort of was commanding the Israelites to buy back their sons from him. So he had a right to the firstborn, but he he made the Israelites buy them back, redeem them, purchase them with a lamb and the blood of the lamb, a sacrificed lamb. All this stuff he's putting in motion for what's coming with Jesus. It's how Jesus is going to purchase, you know, pay the price for our sin and redeem us so that we can be in relationship to God. And so um, th- there were sort of three purposes with this. It was a reminder to the people of how God had spared their son from death, freed them from slavery. It, um, it showed God's high um, respect for human life in contrast to all the little G pagan gods that were around them that, that, um, that all those systems were just corrupted with human sacrifice. And it looks forward to the day when Jesus would buy us all back by paying the price for our sins once and for all. Um, and so all that's sort of what's taking place there in, in the biggest chunk of Exodus 13. Now um, then he starts to take them on this journey out of the land and he doesn't go in the most direct route. He takes them in a different route and, and uh, out by the Red Sea. And, and there's a reason for this and I think it's important to know because God knows what's best for us. Because Sort of, you know, when we sort of want to, when we think we're supposed to go from point A to point B, we generally want the quickest possible way to get there, right? But the quickest possible way is not always the best way for us on the journey. And so God, knowing that, took them in a little different sort of journey because mostly he was trying to keep them um, out of uh, harm's way and sort of get them prepared for what was coming up. And he's going to show them again he is when they get to the Red Sea and they feel like they've been led into a trap. Um, uh, he's, he's constantly teaching them about how to trust him. But I always think about that. You know, if, if God doesn't sort of lead you on the shortest path to achieve your goal, don't think that he's still not in it. Um, that a lot of times he's, he's in it big time. He's just got other reasons for taking you in, in a little different direction than, than you think. Um, have you ever had your... Uh, your Garmin let you down? Or your phone thing? You, <laughs> do you ever get fascinated by, so just this change. There was a time in my life when I had a pretty good sense of direction. And we would go places and I would, I would feel pretty comfortable about getting to places. And, and then the Garmin came in and all of a sudden I have no sense of direction whatsoever and, and feel lost without it and I will almost always listen to the Garmin instead of me. <laughs> in a critical situation. And every now and again, I'm right. But most of the time, the Garmin's got it figured out, and they're taking me in directions that uh, and, you know, but it's better for me. And um, But sometimes the shortest route's not the best route, and you, you, you have to sort of be aware of that. Um, so, so, you know, you want to kind of trust God's Garmin as being much better than your own. But I'm sure glad I have it now. Now it's on my phone. That's when I, uh, it's an interesting pop because it sort of happens when I stop speaking so I, I don't know why isn't that great? <laughs> now I can do it on command oh well um, I get silly what was I talking about? oh yeah so um, absolutely nothing to do with this story but here we go because I started talking about garments and I've had this story for a while so so when we came back from our trip uh, to Alaska, we got in to Miami at um, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And picked up our luggage and was in the car at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'd been traveling all day. And, and if you know me, you know I'm not a... I'm not a th- I see 4 o'clock in the morning almost every day, but after I've had a night's sleep. So this was different than that. And so we got the car and I'm like, uh, I, I didn't want to be in Miami, I wanted to go home. So I was sort of like, let's go to Florida City and we'll see how we feel, and we'll either stay there or we'll just go home. So we start to drive, and I've been going to the Miami airport since I was nine years old. Um, I'd moved a few times then, but I've been going there since I was nine, way back when I still lived at home. We would take my dad to the airport all the time. And so I know how to get out of the Miami airport and come home. It hasn't changed all that much. It's the same as it has ever been. It's a little fancier now, and there's a, you know, but it's the same deal. I know the road, that I'm supposed to get on, and we headed out 4 o'clock in the morning and went to the place that I've always gone every time I come in, and it was closed. Completely under construction or something. And it didn't give me an alternate, and I can't see very well anyway at 4 o'clock in the morning after I've been up 24 hours, and I'm like... (laughs) And and, uh, so I I grabbed the phone, because I don't have it on, you know what I mean? Hey, Siri, get me home. (laughs) And And so she goes, okay, do this, and and she and that one was closed four times. We were in, and I'm getting a little freaky because it's early in the morning. I haven't slept very good, and I'm like, you could really get lost here, and it was really dark. Um, But then she got it right, like on the fifth try. I told you that had no no absolute no no bearing on the whole thing, but it had been in my mind to say it. So there you go. So the way I thought would be the quickest, easiest way didn't work, and uh, eventually I got it there. So. Trust that God knows the safest and the best route for you, and and, uh, He's like the perfect garment. So even if it doesn't seem like the quickest route, it's good for you to know. Um, Also, um, when the Hebrews left Egypt, uh, two theories. One believes that the Exodus occurred in uh, 1446 B.C., and then there's another theory that believes it happened much later, sometimes um, between uh, 1300 and and 1200 BC. The, the reason that we generally believe in the earlier date, although if you go to Israel, they'll almost always over there tell you it's the later date. Um, the reason we believe in the earlier date is that um, the uh, the Bible says in 1 Kings one that Solomon began building the temple 480 years after the Hebrews left Egypt. And so we, we know that time frame, I mean to the The Bible gives it to us exactly. And we also know from archaeological discoveries that Solomon began building the temple in 966 B.C. We know it for a fact. So um, it's an established fact, 966 B.C. So if you add the years, we believe in the later date, which would be uh, 1446 um, B.C. So uh, the other argument would say you can't take those years seriously, literally, but we think we can. So, anyway, either one of those. Also, um, the pillars of fire and cloud um, are examples of uh, theophany, which is a, a you know God appearing in a physical form. But it's not two different things. It's one thing. It just looks different depending on whether it's day or night. So it's not this this and that. It's one. It's it's a, It just changes the way you see it. Changes between whether or not it's day or night. So I wanted to make sure you don't think that there's two pillars. It's so one. But it looks different depending on day or nighttime. And And the pillar was there so that they would know. This theophany, so they, they knew that God was with them. There was a physical, something they could see to know that God was with them and for them. It never left them um, during, you know, in this point in time. And they, they have it. Um, and so, you know, um, we have as believers, the Holy Spirit. Um, We also have the Word of God with us always. We have some amazing things um, in in our lives to know that He's with us and for us. And I think that's a pretty good thing to know. And um, um, we have those things to rely on. But that's enough for uh, today. I'm going to end it there. If you're watching on video, thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Come and see us. And uh, we're going to wind it down here.